Monday, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined. Catastrophic flooding has forced thousands to evacuate their homes in mid-Michigan. Everyone by now, I'm sure, has seen the photos and the videos about what's going on in Midland. A rainstorm created a surge of water that caused the Edenville Dam to fail, sending muddy rainwaters further downstream, overwhelming other dams, and compounding the situation. Now we're hearing that regulators have long had concerns about the Edenville Dam, saying it would not be able to handle a historic flooding event. Federal regulators revoked the dam operator's license in 2018, Due to those concerns, and some ind- some reports indicate the federal government has been warning about this possibility for up to 20 years. So what does this tell us about the state of our infrastructure and what might come next if we don't start addressing these issues in really different ways? That is where we begin the conversation today. And joining us to talk more about what's going on in Midland is Mike Horace. He is a radio program and operations manager at WCMU Public Media in Mid-Michigan. He's been covering what's been going on in Midland. Mike, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Nick Schreck, Associate Dean of Experiential Education and Associate Professor at the Detroit Mercy School of Law. Nick, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be with you. Yeah. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Fill us in on what exactly happened that led to this flooding and what the damage has been like there in in Midland? Well, this all really started over the weekend when we got that heavy rain that impacted the entire state of Michigan. Up in the mid-Michigan region, many areas saw four inches of rainfall from Saturday afternoon through early Monday morning. Some saw even more than that. The areas upstream from Midland saw eight inches in some cases. So that, of course, came pouring into the rivers. Uh, the Titabawassee River, its roots come uh, in the Gladwin County area and even a bit north of there. So all that rain ended up in the river system. We first started hearing reports that something was going wrong on Monday, and that uh, came with those very high water levels behind the Edenville Dam. And even further north than that, in the Gladwin area, there's several dams in that area that um, also had seen the levels rise significantly behind them. Uh, you know, as we move forward into uh, Monday and Tuesday, we start hearing more and more worries coming out from elected officials, from people who are on the ground, and from area residents. They're seeing the lakes behind these dams all start rising. Uh, water starts encroaching on people's homes. Just a really bad situation there. Um, starting Tuesday evening, that's when the Edenville Dam which forms Wixom Lake, is actually breached. And there's some video out there on YouTube of people who actually saw the breach happen. Um, You know, you can see in this video where water is pouring through the floodgates. Looks like a dam normally looks during high water events. And then all of a sudden, this earthen berm that is part of the dam suddenly breaks away, slides down the hill, and just a gush of water comes through. All of that water surges downstream, enters Sanford Lake, which is held up by the Sanford Dam, and we see problems start to develop there as well. 
um, with the Sanford Dam, that dam was constructed a bit differently, and it actually has what is called a fuse plug in it, which is designed to break away from the dam during periods of high water so that it can release water downstream at a higher rate and prevent the dam from essentially collapsing. We know that fuse plug did give way, but water was still pouring over the top of the dam, um, going around the sides of the dam, and then continuing to flow downstream. Um, All that water eventually headed towards Midland, where yesterday afternoon we saw a record crest on the river of about 35 feet. The previous record was at 33.9 feet all the way back in 1986. So this was a significantly higher flood and uh, many, many neighborhoods underwater, many homes and businesses destroyed, not just in Midland, but in surrounding communities as well. Shields, Sanford, Avril, and many other places, they're all seeing these very, very high water levels. Um, Right now, water levels are starting to go down a bit, but um, we're still seeing, expecting a crest tomorrow in Saginaw and then further downstream in Bay County and towards Bay City. Uh, talk about the longstanding concerns about this dam, uh, Mike. This is uh, something that the federal government was really concerned with. Uh, how, how much do we know about how long we should have been worried about something like this happening? You know, these concerns go back at least a decade, if not longer. Um, our reporters at WCMU, we've actually been going through records for the last uh, couple days and going back at our previous reporting and looking at what's been going on. Um, we do know that federal regulators back in 2018 uh, went after the dam's owners, that is um, Boyce Hydro, specifically in regards to the Edenville Dam, which is the one that held back Wixom Lake. And they actually um, revoked the license for that dam to operate as a power generating station because they were so concerned about the safety of that dam. They felt that there were not enough spillways in place to deal with a catastrophic rain event. Um, These complaints, though, go back years and years and years. There's um, numerous examples of the company just simply ignoring what regulators wanted it to do in terms of improving the safety of these dams. Um, The Edenville Dam, of course, is the one that did fail completely. Wixom Lake behind it, this was a huge lake, and it has drained almost completely. If you look at pictures of it right now, you see just sand going out and out and out as far as you can see. Uh, Normally, there's up to 40 feet of water in some portions of this lake, and it has all drained downstream now. Mm. Uh, Nick Streck, you and I have had conversations many times on this program about erratic weather, about changing weather, and how well our infrastructure is prepared to deal with the, the changing climate and, and the weather that, uh, that attends those changes. Uh, talk about what, what lesson we might be drawing right now from this dam breach in, in mid-Michigan. Well, that's right. And these are historic rains, right? I mean, these are record rains. But uh, we have to start going back and looking at what are our trends and what are we seeing. And we're seeing more of these significant rainfall events that happen over a short period of time. So intense short periods of rain, you know, dropping four to eight inches in mid-Michigan um, is more water than this, this infrastructure was designed to handle. Uh, that being said, this infrastructure, like these dams that we've been discussing, um, 
they're old, um, particularly the the Edenville Dam. I mean, this is a dam that's about 100 years old, and you know they would not be designed, permitted, built the same way today as they were back then. Um, and this is a, a real concern that we have with climate change and with increasing heavy periods of rain. We're going to see threats to our existing infrastructure. And you know, in Michigan, there's over 2,500 dams in the state, and of those. 172 are determined to be high hazard. And that means that if they fail, there is a high likelihood of loss of life, significant property damage, and significant environmental harm. Hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about the rains and, and how climate change is feeding a, you know, more intense weather patterns here in Michigan. You know, the other environmental concerns we have are, are the sediments, the, the sand, the silt, um, everything that's accumulated in these lakes, um, when that is discharged with a dam break, that's all washing downstream. And then, of course, we have some very significant uh, facilities like Dow Chemical downstream that are also impacted by this flooding. And so then we're concerned about, you know, those pollutants, toxins being carried down the Titabawassee and eventually making their way into Lake Huron. So, um, again, yeah, we've got a lot of dams in Michigan. A lot of them are very old. I looked this up. The the average age of our dams in the state is 75 years old. Mm -hmm. So you think about 75 years ago, we did not have uh, environmental laws. We didn't have the type of permitting in place. And it is very difficult to build dams today. Very, very difficult because of the natural resource impacts and because of the, you know, changing work you have to make, the guesswork really you have to make about what is a 100-year flood? What is a 500-year flood? Um, those, All of those kind of questions are, are evolving because of climate change and because of these more significant rain events that we're seeing. The other dimension of this, uh, Nick, that I think is really interesting and important is the ownership of the Inville Dam. Boyce Hydro uh, mm -hmm. owns that dam and has a history, according to some reports, going back to as long as 2004, missing deadlines to make repairs and other kinds of maintenance. Uh, talk about this from the perspective of both aging and privatized infrastructure that we have all over the state. I think the private nature of, uh, of, of the maintenance and care of these things has something to do with the, with the issue here in terms of how well we are prepared for these things. Absolutely. And and when you look at regulation of dams, it's it's really kind of all over the place because um, so this uh, this particular dam, the Edenville Dam, because it was generating electricity up until 2018, was regulated by something called the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission or FERC. Um, FERC is not very well known, but um, they're a very important regulatory body and they have they license all of the dams that generate electricity across the country. So. Um, Boyce Hydro, they, they lost their license because of all of those problems that were mentioned, including one of the main problems that they had was not having enough spillway capacity to deal with significant flooding events, right? So, so they lost their license to generate electricity. The state of Michigan, um, now our Environment and Great Lakes and Energy Department, took over oversight of this dam um, after the, the FERC license was pulled. And the state, you know, continued to have concerns about the dam itself, but also the way that Boyce Hydro was operating the dam, meaning that they were drawing down lake levels at certain points. In fact, they were recently sued. Uh, the attorney general uh, sued Boyce Hydro for illegally lowering the lake, and that resulted in the death of freshwater mussels um, that are actually are endangered. Um, 
now one sort of shudders to think about you know what's happened to all of those muscles and other critters as they've, they've now washed downstream. Um, that's another, another problem. But uh, the state has had issues trying to regulate this company, uh, this private company, as you mentioned. Um, I believe their their chairperson. It, it's actually a Las Vegas uh, corporation. And so, um, you know, private dam ownership is a major issue across the state. Michigan Eagle, Environment Great Lakes and Energy, they only regulate about a thousand of those. 2,500 dams we have. Um, others, about 100 of them are regulated by FERC, and then the rest are in private ownership with very minimal. There might be, you know, county level regulations, that type of thing. And I'll just, I'll point out, remember, you know, when when European uh, settlers and colonizers started coming into this part of the world, uh, one of the first things that many of them did was dam up small creeks and rivers for grist mills and sawmills and um, all, all of those types of things that led to uh, kind of populating the area with with Europeans. And so, you know, there's been a history of building these dams for a long time. And heck, if we go even further back, of course, many of these rivers were were dammed by beavers and they were they were slowed, um, you know, throughout their course. Um, but of course, nothing on the scale of what we see with these massive pieces of infrastructure that are currently at risk because of, again, more significant rain events, higher, uh, higher water levels. And that is a regulatory challenge. So, I mean, one thing I think we need to see is additional attention paid at the maintenance of this infrastructure and really forcing both private owners, but also any sort of dams that are owned by our utility companies, mm. making sure that they're regularly inspected and that they're, you know, built to the the best design standards we can possibly have. Yeah, uh, Nick, I also want you to talk about the danger here with this particular flood and its proximity to Dow Chemical, which is right next to downtown Midland. And there have been reports that floodwaters have mixed with their containment ponds. Uh, Dow says there's no chemicals released into the watershed, but how how confident can we be that that's not going to be a problem? I can't imagine that there is no risk at all from this kind of commingling. Yeah, I mean, for right now, you know, we'll, we'll take the company's word for it. You know, we're, we haven't seen any sampling yet um, of the river downstream to see what may have been released. I certainly hope that um, whatever they're they're storing there on site has been appropriately contained, and that what is mixing is basically what they've said. These are retention ponds for stormwater and perhaps some brine, um, which is you know salty water, um, and maybe some other you know less harmful chemicals than what we could be concerned about. I mean, we know that Dow um, has a history of having releases into the Titabawassee River. There are large sections of the river that are currently undergoing cleanup or there's at least cleanup plans in place for dioxin. Um, so the one thing that gives me concern, I mean, above and beyond the existing Dow chemical facilities is some of these older sites along the river where we know that the ground is contaminated, the soil is contaminated, the sediment, the, mm -hmm. the wet soil under the river is contaminated. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a significant flooding event like this, of course, it tears away at the shoreline, it rips apart the soil, drags it downstream, and that's going to displace, move around some of these very harmful chemicals, things like dioxins that we know are there and present in the river. And that's going to be heading down to Saginaw and then down down to Bay City and then, you know, potentially out into Lake Huron. So th that's the another risk we have to think about is when you have these types of flooding events, they they do scour the shore, they, they tear apart the earth, drag it downstream. And we know that a lot of the soil uh, by some of these chemical facilities is contaminated. So above and beyond the containment ponds, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, what is in that soil and, and what now is washing downstream towards Lake Huron. Uh, Mike Horace of WCMU Public Media. Talk about how you grapple with 
this kind of disaster on top of the pandemic that we've all been dealing with for several months now. It's hard to imagine what people in Midland are, are going through right now. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that they've been thinking about since the very start of this flooding. Uh, if you go to the shelters in Midland right now where all those displaced residents are, you'll find the cots in these gymnasiums. They've been placed six feet apart. We were talking with uh, one volunteer who was running the shelter at Midland High School, and he had set up a sanitizing plan where volunteers were going and sanitizing all the rails. They were wiping down beds. They were wiping down tables and chairs and essentially going around this giant gymnasium and doing it every two hours. They were walking around with hand sanitizer, making sure that people were washing their hands or at least sanitizing their hands, again, on a regular basis. Many of the people who have been evacuated are senior citizens who don't get around all that great. Uh, They can't necessarily make it down to the bathrooms to wash their hands as frequently as you would like, so they were making sure they had hand sanitizer in place for all of them. Um, But, yeah, it's a very challenging situation in the midst of pandemic. Luckily, they had plenty of masks, um, things like that, to distribute to people. Another big issue in Midland, though, is that the hospital there sits within the flood zone. And so on uh, Tuesday, we saw 150 patients being evacuated out of the hospital to get them away from these rising waters. So as of right now, that hospital still has water around it, and that can obviously lead to issues, especially in the midst of a pandemic. Okay. Mike Horace, radio program and operations manager at WCMU. Really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Also, Nick Schreck, Associate Dean of Experiential Education and Associate Professor at Detroit Mercy School of Law. Always great to have you here as well. Thank you, Stephen. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at how disasters and pandemics affect our mental health and where we're turning in this time of the coronavirus for help and relief. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 